I'm leaving it at that. Can't, can't better that, can I? You know. There's a saying, if, you, if you're going to walk, if you've got to walk a journey of a thousand miles, and 500 miles and 500 miles is a thousand miles, it starts with a single step, doesn't it? You know. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I have trouble with, with when I'm walking. You know. I, I have, it's probably because I'm, I'm, I'm weird, I'm, I'm strange in, in the way I am, but have, have you ever been that? When you're walking somewhere, you might be walking in the town, you might be going for a walk in the, in the countryside, and there's somebody just ahead of you, and they stop for some reason, and so you, you get up to them, and then maybe they tie the shoelace, maybe they're looking at something, and then they start walking just as you get to them. So, so you're walking next to one another. Is it only me? Is it only one? <laughs> and I think, well, I don't want to be walking next to you, you know. And so you've either got to do one of three things. Got to have a conversation with them, and I don't want to have a conversation with with strange, you know. That's so you've got to, you've got to either slow down, you know, so you, you feel so so you're not walking next to them, or you've got to speed up, and then you're going really fast, you know, and it's it's uncomfortable, you know. But that's probably just my my strange strange life. That's that's you know, if you analyse that, then it might give you all all uh, of things. What's going on in my head? But uh, but that's, uh, when we're walking, as we say, we've got to start any journey with a single step. It's, uh, it's true in, uh, in the spiritual realm as well. You know, when, when, we, when we're walking, when we're traveling anywhere, when we're walking with God, we can't get to the end point just like that. You know, we've got to uh, take that journey. We've got to walk and talks about in, in Galatians about walking in the spirit. We're going to read from Galatians in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 5, sorry. Verse 16. And Paul says, he says, I say then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things that you wish. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, envy, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's quite a list, isn't it? But then... It goes on, it gets better than that. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So Paul speaks about in these, in these verses, he talks about walking in the Spirit, and he, and he talks about these, these contrasting natures that we've got that, that do battle within, within our lives. There's, a, there's that, that old nature that's, that's sort of calling us and, and wanting us to do uh, this list of things and wanting us to go back to our old nature. Then there's the, then there's the Spirit who is calling us to, to do the things of God. Paul tells us that uh, uh, these, these list of things, this, this, this fruit of the Spirit, that is what uh, we, we need to be growing in our lives. Often we look at this, this first list and we, uh, we, we try not to do this, this, the things in this list. Then we look at this second list, this fruit of the Spirit, and we try our best and we strive to do that. We try to be more patient, we try to be, uh, you know, uh, all these things. But the, the problem is, that when we try and do that, when we try by our own effort, we often find uh, that, we, that we don't get there, we don't do it. We find ourselves failing, we find ourselves uh, falling and we think, well, you know, I've tried so hard, I've tried so hard to do this, I've tried so hard to, uh, to, to be the person that I should be. But yet, time and again, I, I mess up and I, and I, I fall down. What, what is wrong with me? What, what is going wrong? But Paul tells us that we, we need to walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit, and you're not going to fulfill uh, the, the lust of the flesh, he calls it, this, this first list. But what does it mean to, to walk in the spirit? What does it mean? In this letter to Galatians, Paul uh, speaks about how, as Christians, Jesus has set us free from legalism. He set us free from simply having to obey a list of rules and regulations. Some people, that they tell you, if you're a Christian, they'll tell you that the Christian life is about a list of do's and don'ts. That's what a lot of people think in, in the world. They think being a Christian, it's about uh, this list of do's and don'ts. That's what it's all about. But Paul says, no, we've been, we've been, actually, we've been set free from that. However, having said that, Paul then goes on to, to give us these lists, these two lists. So is, is he contradicting himself? Well, no, no he's not. Paul encourages, he says, walk in the Spirit. We need to walk in the Spirit. So what does he mean? What does he mean when he says, walk in the Spirit? If we try, by our own effort, to, to do better, to be a better person, then it's like trying to lift ourselves up by our own uh, bootlaces. You just can't do it. And by, by our own self-effort, we can't be the, the people that God wants us to be. We can't be uh, filled with the Spirit by simply trying we can't be, uh, have the fruit of the Spirit simply by trying to uh, harder to do all these things. That's not how it works. Paul says, walk in the Spirit. As Christians, we've all got the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit came. Uh, he, he showed us Jesus. The Holy Spirit is there. But as followers of Jesus, we're encouraged to walk in the Spirit. That's, that's not something that's, um, that's necessarily going to happen unless, unless we do it, unless we walk in the Spirit. We've got a choice to make, to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit isn't inevitable, but it's something we are called to do as followers of Jesus. 
That means walking along one step at a time, following him. It means fixing our eyes on Jesus, looking to him, uh, reading his word, having uh, time with, with other believers, having fellowship with other believers. This is all important. Walking in the Spirit means fixing our eyes on him, fixing our eyes on Jesus. If we make things our focus, whether it's the good things or the, or the bad things, then that is what we'll live for. We'll live for being a better person. We will live for, for, for striving hard and for always doing better. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we do, then we can never be good enough when we, when we keep doing that. That's not how we, we're supposed to live. We will always fall short and we'll always feel frustrated. Have you ever had that frustration of, of, of just wanting to do the right thing but yet failing in it? Paul says that's not how we're supposed to live because we need to walk in the Spirit. But Paul admits in other places that that's, that is how he, he indeed has, has lived and that's, he speaks about that in Romans. So it's a, it's a natural thing when we do that. Walking in the Spirit, on the other hand, as we said, makes Jesus our focus. We look to him. We, we look to him for our strength, for our ability. <coughs> Speak to him and we spend time with him. If you've got a tree uh, in your garden, can you imagine? I don't know if you've got a tree. Tim, you have a tree. It's gone now, hasn't it, Tim? But, uh, um, if you've got a tree, a tree that's uh, that, that, uh, coming, coming into leaf every year, Imagine that the pain and the hassle, every time it gets to autumn, you've got to start picking up all, all the old leaves off the tree. You've got to get the ladder, you've got to climb up the ladder, get up the tree and pick them all off, pick all the leaves off, uh, get rid of all the dead leaves before the new ones can come. Can imagine if that's how you had to live? That'd be a great hassle. You could never get, you could never pick all the leaves off, could you? That's how we try and live our lives sometimes. We try and live our lives trying to pick off all the, the dead works, trying to pick it all off. But no matter how, how hard we try, no matter how hard we do it, there's always something there, something that we, 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 we can't do. Because it's, it's that's beyond us. But the tree, it will, it will shed its leaves in, in time. It sheds its leaves because it's, it's part of, of the life of the tree, the, the, the living tree, the life of the tree. It will shed the leaves naturally. And all it needs is, is the life of the tree going through it. It's what it does to survive and that the new leaves can grow. It's because the life of the tree is in the branches. The life of the tree is in it. Likewise, focusing on, this, on simply getting rid of dead things doesn't work. It's like trying to pluck the, the dead leaves off a tree. We'll be there forever. We can never achieve it. We can never get there become frustrated walking in the spirit enables us to live a healthy Christian life a life where Jesus is the focus and, and the spirit equips us the spirit flows to us and the spirit when the Holy Spirit is allowed to, to live in our lives and is invited in then he comes in and he equips us and he strengthens us and he, he enables us to live the life that we can't live in our own strength that is amazing, isn't it? That he lifts us and he elevates us above what we can be of ourselves. You know, of ourselves we can be frustrated, we can get things wrong, we can uh, fail. But we allow the Holy Spirit to, to work and we walk in the Spirit 
and he elevates us above what we can be on ourselves. When we walk in the Spirit, we fix our eyes, as we say, not on ourselves, but on Jesus. That doesn't mean that we just have to sit back. We can just sit back and everything's going to happen. Yeah, we don't need to, to make decisions. We don't need to make wise choices, but he equips us and he enables us to go beyond what we can do in our own strength. Walking in the Spirit means that we are to be filled with the Spirit. Paul commands us elsewhere. He says, be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 4. Being filled with the Spirit isn't a a once and for all experience. We might be able to look back at a time when we were filled with the Spirit. But that doesn't mean that's it. We can, you know, we can draw the line under that. We've done that, you know, got the t-shirt it's, it's an ongoing thing. Paul, when Paul says that, it's, it's in a present, it's like an ongoing tense in which he says it. He says, go on, continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you might have been filled, but we need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's as we're filled with him that he equips us and that he enables us to, to serve him. So it's, it's, it's a commandment that, uh, that Paul gives us. Be filled with the Spirit. You might have been filled with the Spirit once. We need to continue to be filled with the Spirit. The, the church, the early church were filled with the Spirit. The, 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 the church came and they were uh, filled in Acts chapter 2. But then again in Acts chapter 4, they were, they were filled with the Spirit. And, and all the way through their lives, they, they had to keep on being filled with the Spirit. We need to allow the Spirit in. We need to make room for the Spirit. A man called A.W. Tozer is a, is a, a writer from years ago. And uh, he said, he said these words. He, he tells us that a Christian is as full of the Holy Spirit as he wants to be. And he, and he said this, he says, One of the strange things about God is that he will come in as far as we allow him. I often said that a Christian is as full of the Holy Spirit as he wants to be. We can beg to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can talk about it. But until we are willing to empty ourselves, we will never have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God will fill us as much as we allow him to fill. So that's a, that's a challenging uh, uh, thought, that. He says God will come in as we allow him to fill us, as we, as we allow him. And we can make room for so many things, so many things that, that crowd in. But Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Allow him to fill us. You might want to, uh, you might, might be something that we, we need prayer for. Might be something, it's, it's, it's always good to get prayer from others, but it's also something we need to do as we live our daily lives. We need to make room for the Holy Spirit. We need to allow Him into our lives. We need to allow Him to guide us and to fill us. So, yes, we need to be filled with the Spirit, but we need to go on being filled with the Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit's at home in our lives that we are empowered, that we're equipped, and that we're able to do what uh, God wants us to do. Walking in the Spirit also means that we don't focus on our position or gifting, but on Jesus. It can be a danger as Christians that we can become preoccupied, preoccupied with, with that position, preoccupied with our gifting. And that can be our focus, and it takes the, the, the attention away from Jesus. Jo spoke a, a few weeks ago. Um, she, she did that two, uh, 
two sermon series on uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and, and it's really good. I'd encourage you to, to, to listen to it if you've not heard it. And, uh, and, and Joe gave us, uh, I, just, I want to get this right, I don't want to mis, uh, misrepresent you, Joe. Um, he says um, that, we, we, uh, that the gifts that we have don't give us a higher status they simply give us a greater responsibility. And I think that's a very powerful and very important thing that we need to, need to realize that none of us, there's, there's no levels in, in the Christian life, no levels of, of people gaining position, gaining a higher position. He says that is not how it works. And if we, if we become preoccupied with the position that we have or the position that we want, then that's when... Uh, we, we, we take our focus away from Jesus. On the, the TV program, you, you all know it, you probably watch it. The, I, I hardly watch it. I, I, if, I, if it's not got spaceships and uh, alien planets on, then I'm not really interested in it. But, but The Apprentice, you know, it's about you know, the, the group of people. <laughs> a, group of people are all wanting to achieve that, that top position out there. They're all wanting to be hired. But it's not only about each one being the best that they can be, but it's about each one showing how the other person isn't good enough. And, and they're just absolutely desperate to, to get that position. That they, all, they, they pull one another down. They, they, they point out why this person isn't good enough, why that person just can't get, is not good enough for that position. So it's not simply about them doing their best. It's about pulling other people down. It's about belittling other people in a sense. And the world's way uh, of trying to achieve a greater status is climbing, even if it means climbing over other people to get there. And there's a certain insecurity in that, an insecurity that, that thinks if I'm not better than somebody else, then... You know, I'm just insecure in that, that situation. But that's not the way it is in, uh, in the church. That's not the way it is with the Holy Spirit. We are, as, as Christians, and, and we, we're, we're disciples, and we, we seek to, to encourage and to, to, to help one another. And we are, we're apprentices as, 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 uh, as believers, but we're not people who uh, just try and get better than everybody else, but people who, who help one another up, who give one another a helping hand up. That's how uh, we move on in the Christian life. And Jesus tells us it's not about looking for the best position. In fact, Jesus says, look for the, the lowest position. That's, that's what you should look for. And that's a challenge sometimes. When we focus on, on a more prominent position, then, or, then the role that God has given us can go into the background and we can be wanting to be different and be a better person, a better position. An example of someone who became preoccupied with his position is in the Old Testament. That's King Saul in the Old Testament. King Saul's a really sad story, actually. Saul started, Saul started off really well. He started off, uh, you know, it was, it was from humble beginnings, and uh, God gave a word to the, to the prophet Samuel that... Uh, that Saul is going to be the first king of Israel. Israel had asked for a king. God had said it's, it wasn't a good choice, a good thing to do, but they wanted it, so God said, you can have a king. And King Saul was going to be the, the first one. 
Saul started well from humble beginnings and he, he, he had that calling. Saul had a promise over his life that God gave to Samuel. Saul said this word just before he met Saul for the, for the first time and before he anointed him as king. He said, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anointing ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. God told Samuel that Saul was going to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. It never happened. Saul didn't do it. He had some significant victories over the Philistines, but he never ultimately delivered them from the from, delivered God's people from the hand of the Philistines. Why was that? Did did God get it wrong? No, God didn't get it wrong. Did, did Samuel mishear? Did he did he, did he mishear what God was saying? No, he didn't. But Saul, he just took his eye off of what God was doing. It, it, it became it became important to him, his position as king. His position as king became everything to him. And that became his, his guiding uh, uh, principle rather than God. And because of that, then, what God wanted to do in Saul's life never actually happened. Then his, this deliverance never came to fruition because Saul blocked God's purpose in his own life. Saul had a genuine encounter with, with God when uh, Samuel anointed him as king. It says in, in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel 10 verse 9, it says, God gave him a new heart. And in verse 10, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. He began to prophesy. So Saul had this genuine encounter with God. Saul, however, soon allowed what the position that God had given him to be his preoccupation instead of serving God and serving and doing what he wanted him to do. While at first he was happy to serve, he soon came to the point where he wasn't happy to serve. He wanted to be, uh, his position meant more. On two significant occasions, Saul acted in a disobedience to God. One of the time he, he took the, the, the job that was the role of the priest so his problem was if he started to take himself too seriously and he didn't take God seriously enough. As a result of that, God's promises over his life didn't come into fruition. He didn't fulfill what could have happened. There was so much potential in his life, but yet it wasn't fulfilled. When we walk in the Spirit, it doesn't mean that... Uh, it means that we don't allow our gifting, whatever our gifting is, it might be of God, we don't allow that to become our main focus. We allow God, we allow Jesus to be our main focus. He's our focus, he's uh, the, the central focus on everything that we do. We need to allow him to have that uh, focus, that position in our life. It's more important to allow the Holy Spirit to be in the driving seat and to do the things and to... to have uh, ambition in that way. Otherwise, we take our eyes off Jesus. Sometimes we can allow the gifting, the position, what, what God has given us to, to become addictive. 
that it can happen if, if you're at the front. It can happen. You know, you, you, you can come and you can think, I'm, oh, I'm, I just can't, I'm not good enough to do this. I can't do this. And afterwards, somebody says, that was brilliant. That was fantastic. And, and you start to believe it. And you start to, yeah, I think, yeah, I was pretty good, weren't I? But, but it's got nothing to do with it. It's everything to do with, with Jesus, with, with what he does. And when we start to believe that, when we start to believe that, that it's, it's us, then we're, we're headed uh, for not a very good road. When, when Goliath came and uh, challenged the Israelites, we read that, that Saul and his men, they, they were trembling, they were trembling in fear. How, how Saul got to that when, uh, when God had given that promise of his life that he was going to deliver these people from the Philistines. Goliath was the leader of the Philistines, was, what, was the champion of the Philistines, rather. Um, and Saul and his men, they were terrified. But then David came along and he, he conquered him because God... Um, so in David, uh, a man after his own heart. So God may have given us a word or a promise, but don't let ever that, don't ever let that become make, make us become complacent. If we become complacent and think, well, God's given me that word, it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter how I live. That's a dangerous way to be. God gives us a word. God often gives us a word, and that that is brilliant. When God gives us a word, it's it's an encouragement and it's a blessing. But don't ever let it uh, make us think, well, I can put, sit back, put my feet up. God's given me a promise, so I don't really have to uh, work hard at it. I don't really have to do anything. We need to continue to walk in the Spirit. Or else it might actually not come to pass. Some of God's uh, promises, they're unconditional they cannot change. God loves us. And whoever you are this morning, whatever your, your situation, God loves you. Yeah. you know, that, that is unconditional. That, that cannot change. You don't let anybody tell you that that isn't true. God loves you. If you don't know Jesus as your saviour, then I'd encourage you, find out about him because Jesus wants to know you. God sent Jesus into the world because he loved you. And that is an unconditional promise. No one can change that. Neil often tells us, he often says, uh, there's nothing you can do to make God uh, love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. He loves you as much as it's possible to love you. You know, he loves you more than, than your closest friend. He loves you more than your husband. He loves you more than your, your wife, than your, your, your family, your mother, your father, your, your children. He loves you. Nothing can change that. Then some of God's promises are conditional. God gives us promises and it depends on if, how we act as to whether this can, is going to happen. What God tells us, we, it's got the potential to happen and it can happen if we live in, in his way. There's a verse that you might not have noticed in the book of Romans. I think in equal measure it's one of the most intriguing, one of the most encouraging and also one of the most scary verses that I've come across. And it says in, in Romans 1.29... It says the gift, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. It says in the New Living Translation, God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. And in the message it says God's gift and call are under full warranty, never cancelled, never rescinded. It's an encouraging verse because it tells us that whatever happens, if we've responded to God's call on our life, then God is never going to take that call away. 
no matter how far we, we fail, no matter how far we, uh, we, we, we let him down, we might mess up and we might look back and we think, well, I've gone too far. God is not going to welcome me back. But the promise of God is God's gift and his call, calling his gift at the irrevocable. God's given a promise to your life and, and we can be restored and God's not going to let go of you. I think looking, looking at that, I think looking at the story of Saul, even though he messed up, and people might not agree with me, but I think, I think Paul, Saul, sorry, Saul, uh, was, was a saved man, even though he, he messed up big time and his life became an, an utter a car crash. I believe even though it, that was the case, I believe that he was still saved. You might disagree with me, but um, hopefully I'll not get kicked out for heresy uh, straight away, you know, so... So if God has called you, if God has given a call into your life, then God is not going to remove that call. God is not going to remove his hand from your life. We might do things to, to fail, we might do things to walk away, but God is never going to say, that's it, I'll wash my hands over you. But it's also a scary verse, because it tells us that it might be possible for me to show genuine spiritual gifting in my life and, and in, our, in all our lives, it might be possible to, to show the, the gifts of God, what he's given us, but yet not be in the place where God, uh, where, where God wants us to be. I might think, well, God has used me, God has given me a gift, so obviously I'm right with God, everything's okay. That is not necessarily the case. God uh, gives, us, gives gifts to his church, and therefore the uh, the glory of his name, that the church might be uh, strengthened and encouraged and built up. But just because these gifts are in evidence, it doesn't mean that we are necessarily in God's will. We need to make sure that, that we are. In the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul tells them that they didn't lack any spiritual gift. They had them all. So they must have been probably the best church that there were. No, they weren't. They were they were an absolute mess. If you read the story, the letter to the Corinthians, there were factions, there were arguments, there were disputes. There were, the church was split in so many different uh, you know, areas. There was immorality in the church. Paul says that the immorality is so bad, you don't even find that in the world. And he says the church, it's worse. It's worse than you find in the world. And he says, you know, what are you, what are you doing? And it's, it's a letter to, to tell the church to get themselves together, to, to, you know, to, to, to sort out all this mess. But yet, they were a church that had all the spiritual gifts. Just because they had the spiritual gifts, it didn't mean that they were in the right place. It's important that we keep our eyes on Jesus, that we, that we remain fixed on him, that we walk in the Spirit day after day, walk each step at a time. We don't get right. To, 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 the, to the final point straight away and we, it's important to remember that it's, we need to walk uh, faithfully we need then to focus not on our gifting but on the giver of the gift that is Jesus we need to walk in the spirit look to Jesus and make him our priority we need to honour and love Jesus without any gift that is given us it's given not that we might look good, not that we might achieve things, 
but that Jesus might look good, that the name of Jesus will be lifted high, that the name of Jesus will be glorified. That is what his gifting is for. And if, if God has gifted us, that's what it's all about. It's about making Jesus look better, making the name of Jesus known in Barnsley and in the, in the, wherever God puts us. That is what God's giftings are for. And that is what it is all about. And then walking in the Spirit also means that we're teachable. Saul became unteachable. He didn't learn from his mistakes. He promised to change. Every time he failed, he promised to change. I'm going to do better. But he never did. He continued to be preoccupied with his position. He was fearful of losing the crown. He was fearful of losing that position of being king. All, all his life, you, you, you see, he's living in that fear. Uh, David was a man who uh, God uh, gave to, uh, to, to come after Saul as, as king. And all the way, he's, he's, he's scared to death of David because he's scared that David's going to take the crown. But yet David, who, who followed Saul, he, he was the next king of Israel, David also messed up with his life. But yet, David was described as a man after God's own heart. So why is that? Why could Saul mess up and his, his life became a mess, but yet David messed up and God restored him. And God, uh, David was called a man after God's own heart. It's because David listened and David was teachable. David was, uh, he allowed uh, he allowed himself to, to change when, when he was confronted and uh, he allowed him, the Spirit of God to, to change and to transform him. He didn't uh, stay where he was. He didn't repeat the same old thing, but he, he listened and he allowed uh, the Spirit of God to, to work in his heart. He allowed uh, the advice that, were, that um, those over him in, in God gave him. He allowed it to take root in his heart. So he was a man after God's own heart. We won't always get it right. We will get it wrong. We will mess up. We will fail. But we need to be people who will listen to, uh, to the advice of others, who will listen to uh, the encouragement of others, of other believers. We, can, we must never be in that, that place where we think, well, I know it all. I've got it all sorted. We all, whoever we are, we need to listen to others. We need to listen to their wisdom, uh, the wisdom of those who are older, the wisdom of those who... Um, who have had different experiences, it's always good to listen to that, that wisdom that others have got. So no, we won't always get it right. But yet, if we listen to others and if we walk in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit is about building one another up. It's about encouraging one another. It's about loving one another. It's not about being fearful that somebody might... Uh, Get, be better than us or be in a, a, a more prominent position. The moment we think that we have answers, is the, all the answers, is probably just before we trip up. The letter to Galatians encourages to love one another, not to envy one another, to bear one another's burdens. The more we focus on our own achievements and wanting to gain more than the less we'll be walking in the Spirit. The more we focus on Jesus, the more we fix our eyes on Him, yeah. then the greater we'll be walking in the Spirit and we'll be walking and we'll be growing and we'll be making progress and we'll be strengthened from day to day. Walking in the Spirit also means finishing well. 
when you're, when you're going on a journey and you look back and you see how far you've been. It's good to, to look back and see how far you've been and to see um, the progress you've made. In the spiritual life, it's good to see what God has done for us in the past. That is good. It's good to thank God for what he's done in the past, but we can't live in the past. We're, we're moving on, we're moving forward. And just because we've moved so far, it doesn't mean that we give up. We've got to keep on and continue and to, to continue in, 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 in what we, we are in God. Another Saul, the Apostle Paul, who became, when he got to the end of his life, he said these words. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He looked back and he could say, I have finished well. He was right at the end of his life. And his, he could see that he had finished well because he had remained faithful to Jesus. That doesn't mean that he, he never got things wrong. He made some, some mistakes. He made some real mistakes. He got a lot of things wrong. And Paul talks about his struggles that he had. But it meant that, that through it all, that he allowed the Holy Spirit to transform him and to make him more like Jesus. He kept his eyes fixed on Jesus. Walking in the Spirit isn't walking in isolation. Many years ago, um, I went on holiday to, uh, to Italy. I went uh, long before I was married and... Uh, uh, I went with a, me and a friend, and it was actually a small Italian village and really, really lovely place and um, lots of places to go for walks. And so one afternoon, I went out on my own for a walk, and I went out and I, I walked quite a, a long way, quite a few miles. Came to realise after a certain amount of time, I thought, I don't really know where I am, I don't know <laughs> my way back here. Um, and I, and I, I I, 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 just, I was lost. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know. I thought, well, there's nobody about, really. You know, it's, it's in the middle of the countryside, you know. And um, so then it started to get dark. And uh, so it got dark. And I thought, well, can it get any worse? And it started to rain. And it started to chuck it down with rain. So I thought, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. There's no, no bars, no, no way to go. You've got to keep on walking and hope for the best. So then... Suddenly, somebody pulled alongside, and this, this car pulled alongside me, and he stopped. Now, this guy couldn't speak any English, and I can't speak any Italian, so um, I don't know if he was asking me if he was offering me a lift, but I'm, I got in the car anyway, and, uh, I'm, <laughs> and I told him the name of the village where I was stopping at, and, and he took me there, and I got there, so uh, I survived. Luckily, well, it wasn't it. Wasn't a, a mad axe man. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe was we'll, we'll stopping trust me for directions for somewhere. I don't know, but uh, um, and and I got back, so I lift to tell the tale. But when we walk on our own, when we walk on our own in the Christian life, then we'll get lost. You know, we'll we'll go in, we'll go off track, and we'll end up. Who knows where? When we walk in the spirit, if the band want to make the making the way back up, please. If uh, when we when we walk in the spirit, then it means that that the spirit uh, will guide us, and, and we've got one another, spirit-filled believers, to to encourage us and to guide us and to to direct us and to and to give us advice. And it's always good when when you're not alone, when when you're going through a crisis, when you're going through uh, something, and, and you're you're really struggling or you feel as though you've messed up, you've, you've failed God and it's always good to have others 
who are alongside us, who will, who will pick us up and who will help us. And when we're walking along, we, we fall and we feel as though we can't continue in, in the walk. Somebody comes along and they, they lift us up and they, they bring us along and they say, you know, you can do it, you can, you can get there. And when we, when we feel as though we can't, when we feel as though there's nothing we can do, then they lift us up and they hold us up in prayer when we haven't got that ability to do it ourselves. And that is good. That is walking in the Spirit. Not walking in isolation, not walking on our own, but allowing the Spirit in and allowing the Spirit to, to guide us, allowing one another to encourage us and to, to be part of our lives. It's so important, this, this being attached to one another. It's so important that we're not in isolation. That's, that's the, the sure way to, to shrivel up and, as a Christian is, is when we're in isolation, when we're not um, joint to one another and we can be in isolate we can be in a, a church full of people and be in isolation just by cutting ourselves off from one another by not listening but we're in a church of people let's make use of that let's encourage one another and when we are down when we need that help just go to somebody and say I'm struggling and I need that help because I can't I don't feel as if I can continue in the walk and let somebody else come alongside you and when that happens, the Holy Spirit also comes alongside as well. And that's the most amazing thing, that the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and he encourages us and he equips us and he, and he stirs us up and he enables us to keep, to keep on going. When we walk in the Spirit, we're not walking on our own and so we don't get lost. Our goal as we walk in the Spirit is not only that the gifts of the Spirit have evidenced. We want to see the gifts of the Spirit in evidence. We want to see the gifts of the Spirit in the church. We want to see a church that has got all the gifts of the Spirit. We want to see that. But that's not our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is that Jesus is glorified. And uh, we want to see the fruit of the Spirit. We want to see the gifts of the Spirit, but we want to see the fruit of the Spirit in evidence as well. All this fruit of the Spirit that we, we talked about. And then when we've got both, when we've got both these things, and as a group of believers, then we're going to be growing. We're not going to be standing still, but we're going to be making the name of Jesus famous in Barnsley and beyond. That is what we're called to do. That is our calling as believers. Our calling isn't to achieve things. Our calling is to make Jesus known, to make the name of Jesus glorified. Because because that's the role that Jesus gave us when he left. He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. We've heard that probably hundreds of times in this church. Why? Because that, that's what Jesus said before he went into heaven. That's his commission. That's his, his command to us. Go into all the world and let everyone know about you've experienced the goodness of God. We want to see others experience it too. And by walking in the Spirit... That is how it's going to be done. Amen. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. Brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. 
Lord, I can't help but sing. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Faithful you are. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Savior, you have brought me near. Pull me from the ashes, you have broken every curse. Blessed Redeemer, you have set this captive free. Lord, I can't help but sing.
presence, yes and amen. All your promises, yes and amen. All your promises, yes and amen. All your promises, yes and amen. Lord, we thank you that you are a faithful God, that you love us each, each and all of us, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that the promises that you've laid over our lives, Lord, that we would still keep our eyes fixed on you, that we wouldn't take them away from you, that we would be able to walk that walk with you, not try and do it in our own strength, Lord. Um, excellent, that's it for now. We've got teas and coffees now. Uh, it'd be great to have a chat with with you all. That'd be brilliant. Um, we've got a six o'clock meeting tonight. It'd be great to see you there at our live lounge. And if it's your first time here, uh, if you want to know more about us, we've got our connections corner in the back there. Um, if you've be 